Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon after a Friday day off because of regional baseball and a Monday day off because of regional baseball. We are back and thankful to be back on this Tuesday, June 6th, the year 2023. What started off as a 64-field team is now down to 16 with eight teams hoping to... um, punch their ticket to the metropolis known as Omaha, Nebraska, and the home of the College World Series. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome aboard. Yours truly, Jordy Hultberg here, Studio 1A. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the EFCO Development Studios inside the producer's chair. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television sets on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. All right, with some solid pitching by three left-handers, 19 hits. That'll take care of your business. Four home runs and at least one run batted in from every starter LSU defeated Oregon State 13-7 to advance to the NCAA Super Regionals. Tigers go through it unscathed. They survived lightning delays, rain delays, this, that, and the other, and they figured out a way to get it done. Heading into the postseason, the biggest concern was LSU's pitching depth. But even after that weather delay that cut Ty Floyd's day short on Sunday, LSU pitching showed it had plenty left over. LSU made it through the regional without using guys like Javen Coleman and Blake Money and others. Um, And LSU got the job done. Looks like their bats are coming around at the right time. First, there was the Paul Skeens tone-setting complete game win over Tulane that had a lot of people going, what are you doing? Why are you starting him? Look, nobody knows this team better than their head coach. Um, So Paul Skeens went the distance. Ty Floyd came in. Then you get a career-best outing from Thatcher Hurd. And then you sign, seal, and deliver it all over on Monday. Speaking of LSU's pitching, um, everybody was surprised by the news that Pete Thamel of ESPN reported LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson is leaving to become Georgia's 
new head baseball coach. LSU head coach Jake Johnson confirmed the news after the game, then shared it with his team. Uh, Johnson, Wes Johnson, pitching coach, will continue at LSU for as long as this postseason lasts um, before he transitions over to Georgia. Uh, Johnson, first season at LSU after the Tigers hired him away from the Minnesota Twins. And uh, now he's moving on. So good for him. So next up, LSU will take on Kentucky in the Baton Rouge Super Regional. My buddy Bill Franquez sent a text out to me, says, this Super Regional in Alec Box Stadium, Skip Burtman Field, the best two of three series, will begin with game one on Saturday at 2 p.m. Saturday at 2 p.m. Game two is scheduled for Sunday at a time to be determined. And game three, if necessary, would be played on Monday at a time to be determined. When they're saying time to be determined, that is all dictated by television. So the Super Regional begins Saturday, 2 p.m. And of course, we're part of the LSU Sports Radio Network here at the game, so we will have the game. It'll be televised on ESPN, so you've got all kinds of opportunities to wait and listen to it. It was a MVP performance from Dylan Cruz, who was joined on the all-tournament team by Skeens, the hottest player out there, catcher Hayden Travinsky, shortstop Jordan Thompson, Outfielder Josh Pearson, D.H. Cade Beloso. So LSU well, well represented in this one. LSU versus Kentucky. Um, and Kentucky advanced through its Lexington Regional yesterday with a 4-2 win over Indiana. LSU won in their one meeting against Kentucky this season. They won two out of three, although all three games were pretty darn close here in Tigertown. So much, much more on that. Ben McDonald, who had the series on ESPN, will join us here in just a few minutes and get his thoughts on the Tigers. Well, lo and behold, in a shocking and in an historic move, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, which is also known as the European Tour, and Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, also known as Live Golf, um, have agreed to a merger that will see all of these combined, that, that Live Golf will combine with the other tours, tours in what is being described as a new collectively owned for-profit entity to ensure that all stakeholders benefit from a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players. Well, um, this is a simple, simple, simple explanation. All that matters to the world of professional golf, making money. In the end, it didn't matter to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan that the money came from a country in Saudi Arabia that treats human rights like an inconvenience. 
the tradition and the history of the PGA Tour, in fact, didn't matter all that much to those who argued that Live Golf was an unworthy, unserious rival who's guaranteed money, and the 54 whole events were mocking competition. As for the Live Tour, they didn't, in fact, care all that much about growing the game. They wanted to own it, and now they do. The PGA Tour brought to you by Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud. The sellout for money. They didn't want to have to go into this long, elongated litigation, lawsuits left and right. The PGA Tour couldn't compete with the over $600 billion LIV fund. $600 billion. PGA Tour couldn't survive that. No, no. In a stunning announcement today, the PGA Tour positioned its positioned it as a merger. On paper, to me, it looks like a hostile takeover. The full details of exactly what it means for golf fans are lacking at this point. What does it mean for the Zurich Classic? I don't know. Is it is is it in jeopardy? I think it certainly is. More, more, more. These mid-tier tournaments in our hometown that brings thousands of tourists in for a weekend. What does it mean for television rights? And does it mean fans will now be subjected to more of LIV's team competition? We'll see. Right now, we just know there's a merger, but we have no details concerning that. The NBA playoffs resume with the series between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat tied at a game apiece. Game three will be Wednesday in Miami. The Heat, after losing game one, 104 to 93, bounce back and win game two, 111 to 108. Balance scoring across the board. Gabe Vincent with 23, Bam Adebayo with 21, Jimmy Butler with 21 game three coming up the new orleans pelicans made an announcement james borrego is now the associate head coach he was the head coach for the charlotte hornets from 2018 to 2022 uh, he's now the taking over the top assistant job Next to Willie Green. The Pelicans will also retain assistant coach Jaron Pollins. So um, we'll see what Borrego can do. Borrego spent two seasons as a coach in New Orleans from 2010 to 2012 when the team was still known as the Hornets. So Borrego trying to add some offensive philosophy into a lineup that we hope will feature Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum next season for the majority of the season. While injuries played a major part, the Pelicans finished 20th in offensive rating last season and were second to last in three-pointers attempted per game. So let's wait and see on that. Um, for a while, it appeared as though Kim Mulkey was going to retain all of her returning players from last season's NCAA championship squad, 
But that uh, was extinguished today, a couple of days, over two months removed from LSU women's basketball winning it all in Dallas. Freshman forward Alisa Williams entered her name in the transfer portal. She played 58 minutes in 20 games during her freshman year and was, again, likely not to be a major contributor after the Tigers added DePaul transfer Anisha Morrow out of the portal to play alongside star Angel Reese. So her entrance to the transfer portal marks the first player since the program won its first national championship in bulky second season at the helm to exit. All right, those are some of your headlines of the day. We'll get started on LSU baseball when we return as Ben McDonald joins us next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Defending World Series champs, if you want to see them live and in person, well, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday, June 17th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the regional is over. LSU staying home for the Super Regional. We know they will play the Kentucky Wildcats starting Saturday at 2 p.m. I hope my next guest is able to be in town and to call the action because he does such a great job on ESPN and the SEC Network, my good friend Ben McDonald joining us. Ben, good afternoon, sir. The Blonde Bomber. Always good to talk to the Blonde Bomber. <laughs> what did you think of LSU? I mean, that it's a typical um, you know, June. We're going to have weather. We're going to have all these kind of things. Baseball players are used to delays and all, but LSU goes unscathed. What was your biggest couple of takeaways from this regional? Well, I you know, a couple of things. You know, one, LSU, uh, you know, won differently. You know, you go back to the two-lane game, they won 7-2. They, they had 11 base hits, nine were singles, and two doubles. That's it. And they had two sacrifice flies and two sacrifice bunts. So they almost beat two-lane playing the small ball way. And then right. the final two games against Oregon State, it was bombs away, right? I mean, it was nine homers right. combined, a lot of doubles, triples. Uh, a lot of the long ball is out. So they showed that they could beat you a couple of different ways. So that was impressive for me. I, I think some keys to that is, is uh, you know, Dylan Cruz obviously all the way back now, uh, regional MVP. He's really swinging it well. Trey Morgan, you know, been a little bit slow. He got a couple of base hits yesterday. Dugas been a little bit slow as Blake for LSU. He had a couple of base hits yesterday, including a home run. So some of the, some of the guys that were scuffling just a little bit, you know, seem to have gotten it going a little bit. 
which was big. I, I think Jay was brilliant for pitching Skeens. I know there was a lot of talk about why did Skeens throw one against Tule in game one. And uh, I thought it was a no-brainer with the weather potentially being what it was and getting pushed back. Uh, the fact that Tulane played LSU tough over there this year, they played LSU tough in this one as well. You go out there with your number one guy and you win game one, and that's what he did. And of course, he threw a complete game, which saved your bullpen uh, big time. You know, Now, that's your herd. Jordy was unbelievable. I know he gave up three or four runs, but he punched out 12 and five innings of work. You know, Ty Floyd, the rain got him. But the, the other thing I took out of that was the bullpen was pretty good for LSU. It really was. And you talk about the bullpen guys that came in, Ackenhausen, I thought Herring was really good yesterday. Uh, Thatcher Hurd was outstanding as well. And so uh, the freshman, you know, out from Lake Charles uh, was really, really good. Gidry, you know, and so I, that's what I took out of it. The offense got going with the long ball. And then the, the, really the, the, the relief core, which had been a struggle this year, looked really solid. Now, if you'd had to go to a game four, it could have turned out differently. But the good news for LSU, they don't have to do that anymore, right? I mean, it's it's three games right. this weekend. You try to win two of them like a regular weekend, and uh, you're going hey, you're going to lean hard on, on on the best pitcher in the game right now, in Paul Skeens on Saturday. Uh, they, you're right. They did it with pitching. They did it with hitting. Is there is is there a hotter hitter out there than Hayden Travinsky? My gosh. Yeah, I mean, look, and you go back and look at Travinsky's career, Jordy, when he's been healthy and he's been plugged in the last three years, he's performed well, you know, and he had the knee issue in, in fall ball and had knee surgery and rehab, didn't get to play much fall ball, really wasn't on Jay Johnson's radar. He was the number three catcher, you know, and he finally got healthy during the spring, and of course, Brady Neal gets hurt, you know, and he needed another guy in there to back up Alex Belizo, who was a starting catcher there for a while, and, and when he got those opportunities to perform first in midweek action, he did well, and then all of a sudden you turn around. And, look, it's offense over defense. It's not that he's bad on defense. He's not bad. He's just It's way more offensive than it is defensive. And, of course, Jay's an offensive kind of guy. Alex Malizo would probably be your better defender back there, but he doesn't have the pop and can change the game in one swing like Travinsky can. And boy, between him and Beloso, who couldn't get in the lineup either early in the year, now these two guys are sitting right in the heart of your lineup and doing as much damage as anybody. Ben McDonald with us. Um, it seems to me you had the great performance by Skeens. So that that took away anybody's thoughts about, oh, my gosh, SEC tournament, he's human. Yeah, he is human, but he, he was he was good. Um, you had a solid, although rain-shortened, abbreviated start from Ty Floyd. And then you have, I think, maybe the career-best LSU outing from Thatcher Hurd. It seems to me, Ben, that as we projected when the season started, I think you got your three-man rotation, Skeens, Floyd, Hurd, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, and if necessary, Monday. Yeah, yeah, I think that could happen. I think what's more likely to happen is, and me and you talked about this last time, you still have to have a big right arm at the back end of your bullpen to close out games. If you got to close out yeah. game one in the Super Regional or you got to close out game two in a Super Regional, I think Thatcher Hurd is going to be that guy. That, that's what his role was this weekend because you got to remember, he, he warmed up uh, in game one and didn't come in the ball game. He got, he got a little bit hot in game one, and so that told me he was going to be a reliever for you. Now, if you don't use him in game one, let's say you win one, you lose two, and you don't use him, I think he would be your starter in game three. But I also feel like, you know, if if, if the big guy, if Skeens runs out of pitches and it's a two-to-one ball game uh, in the ninth, the big guy's got 130 pitches, 
fix to him come out, it could be Thatcher Heard to close it. So he's kind of a swing man for me that can do either gotcha. or for you. But certainly he is an important part of that, that piece. You know, he's your best right-handed arm because that's where LSU struggles to me. If you think about it, the left-handed side of what LSU does, I like. I mean, there's Ackenhausen, there's Herring. Uh, uh, we didn't see Coleman. You got David Coleman down there. You could do it from the uh, Riley Cooper was really good the other day. So you got plenty of left-handers back there, but you don't really have a power right-handed arm back in the back of that gotcha. bullpen. You know, Christian Littles has had his struggles. Blake Money's kind of been back and forth a little bit. So that's why I think they're going to use him as a guy if needed to close out with a big arm from the right side. Ben, speaking of LSU's pitching, um, I think we were all kind of hit by uh, the surprise that um, minutes after the first pitch, it was reported that pitching coach Wes Johnson is leaving to become Georgia's new head coach. That's I, I take that always in the positive. God, the guy's really good. Somebody else wants him to be their head guy. God bless you. Go on. Thanks for your contributions and good luck at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, look, this would hurt. You know, I feel for Jay because look, this is now Jay's got to go look for his third pitching coach in three years. You know, that's his last pitching yeah. coach got a head job and left, so he goes and gets West Johnson. He gets a head job. And he's going now too. So Jay's got a lot on his plate. I mean, so so think about this. He's trying to. Hit the portal really hard right now. He's trying to get his recruits in here, trying to keep them from going somewhere else, trying to talk about not playing pro ball draft coming up. Then you got your portal guys that are out there he's trying to handle. Now he's trying to figure out a way to beat Kentucky and get to the College World Series. And on top of that, he's looking for a pitching coach right now. And so it's difficult. I hate to see Wes Johnson go. Obviously, he's one of the best pitching coaches in the country. He's never been a head coach before, so I don't know how that's going to work out. It's totally different being a, a pitching coach versus you know, a head coach. And so uh, we wish him the best of luck. I think everybody does, you know, and, and thank you and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he'll be on the other side now, you know. But I like the That's fact right. at least he is staying through this thing. Because I thought when I heard the news, and we started hearing the rumors about a week ago, and then we knew Georgia was targeting him. And I hope the rumors weren't true. And, of course, they end up being true. And uh, uh, But at least he's going to stay. Because, you know, this he could have got sideways even more. Because if he leaves, obviously right. – and there's a good chance that he was going to leave and not finish out just because he wants to put his staff in place. He wants to start recruiting the portal, yeah. right? He wants to start recruiting yeah. kids to come to the University of Georgia. So I thought when it happened, he probably wasn't going to stay around. But at least he is going to stay around and finish it out with LSU, which that is a blessing for sure. So Jake Johnson's first pitching coach, Jason Kelly, head coach at Washington after a year. Now Wes Johnson comes in, becomes the head coach at Georgia after one year. Uh, LSU must be doing something right for these coaches to be getting <laughs> uh, really good jobs at other Power Five schools. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. And, so, it, and it wasn't nothing to do with money. You got to remember now, Jay Johnson was the highest paid pitching coach in the entire country, and it wasn't even close. Yeah. So it wasn't about the yeah. money going somewhere else to be a pitching coach. This is about a head job where he'll make even more money than when he was making that. Uh, so the SEC, South Carolina, will play Florida, so they're guaranteed of at least one team in the World Series. LSU, Kentucky, they're guaranteed of at least two teams in the World Series. Alabama has to take on number one Wake Forest. And Tennessee, and kind of surprising, I guess, not going to be able to host. Uh, they're going to go travel to uh, Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. So the SEC did fairly, fairly well here. When I mentioned Kentucky, it was a close series here in Baton Rouge. LSU won two out of three, but the games were close. What uh, what do you see in the Wildcats? Uh, Kentucky's a different – Kentucky doesn't play ball like an SEC. You know, in the SEC, it's a power game. 
Uh, it's not a lot of whole lot of bunting and stealing bases. It's all about the long ball and it's a power game. Kentucky is a team that, quite frankly, doesn't play like an SEC team, and that's what strikes you about Kentucky. They only got 51 homers the entire year. Of course, that's dead last in the SEC. And I'll tell you how back it is. The, the, the second work home, home run hitting team in the SEC is Vanderbilt at 76. And Kentucky's got 51. And, of course, LSU's wow. got 126. And Florida's got 126. Wow. They lead the way. So they don't do it with the long ball, but they do do it with their legs. they got 91 stolen bases. That leads the SEC in that department. Jordy, they're going to bunt a lot. They're a big team. They lead the Southeastern Conference, one of the tops in the country, and sacrifice bunt. They're going to bunt. They're going to hit, hit and run. It's almost a West Coast-style small ball okay. game of baseball It is what they play. And they pressure you up in different ways with their speed. Uh, they can really pitch it. I mean, it's a pretty deep pitching staff, a staff that if you look at the SEC ranks, it was number number three pitching staff in the SEC. So they, they can really pitch it, and they can defend as well. And so that's kind of what their game and what they do, you know. And uh, they don't score a lot of runs in their regional toward the end when pitching ran out. They put some runs on the scoreboard. If you go back and look at the previous games when everybody was throwing their better pitchers, there wasn't a whole lot of run scoring going on. And so uh, it's not a great offense, although they're – their team batting average is solid. They hit 293 overall, but they don't they don't hit the long ball a whole lot, you know. And so uh, I think LSU is going to have to pitch well, and they're going to have to defend the running game and defend yeah. the bunting game, you know. And that's what's going to you know Jay's got some decisions to make. Alex Malazzo's your better thrower; he's your better defender behind home plate. But you got to have Travinsky's bat in the lineup. So do you DH him? If you do DH him, then all of a sudden you're taking Beloso out of the lineup. And so right. basically, you see how Jay plays this. Uh, to go with and how he's going to defend the running game. Uh, you know, of course, Tommy White over third base is going to have to be on his game because Kentucky's going to test him a lot over third base with the buttoning and the running and that kind of stuff, you know. So uh, you're right, it was a great series. I mean, I think LSU won big in game one during the regular season. Kentucky won big in game two. And then I think the final game was a one-run game. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so it's going to be a good series. Kentucky's not afraid. They've been here before. They came to Baton Rouge this year. Uh, it's going to be a really good super regional. I expect it to go three games, to be honest. Okay, there you go. That would means it would close off on a Monday, and that will be dictated by television as to what time that will be. Ben, uh, great job. You made Buckethead a star, man. I'm telling you. Buckethead, yeah, that, that dude, now, I'll tell you what, he enjoyed him, the Baton Rouge Regional. I'm going to tell you, he, I think he was there for every pitch. Of every game. And look, we had some long games, Jordan. We had three games in one day that we did. As a matter of fact, I got over at 10 o'clock one morning, got home at 1.30 that night. That's how long the days were over there. But Buckethead was there every every pitch of every game. So it was good. You know what I'm I will announce to you first, I will be here in Baton Rouge this weekend. So I'm excited about that. We're excited about that. That We'll have some fun now listening to you. So that's great. Uh, nothing like not having to travel. <laughs> Uh, very far to go do the job that you love to do, man. That's awesome. Ben, uh, thank you as always for your candor. Uh, Get some days off, and uh, we can't wait to Saturday at 2 o'clock. We'll get to to hear you again, buddy. Thank you, as always. All right. Thank you, Jordy. Take care. You're the best. Ben McDonald, kind enough to join us. We'll continue the theme, plus um, a football player who was on the team, then off the team, then on the team, then off the team. He's back on the team again. Glenn West, go to 47 Sports with that and more when we return. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Looking for great deals? Then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. There are plenty of two-for-one deals available right now. You can get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50 or a $30 voucher to La Hacienda for only $15. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these deals and so many more. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back and glad to welcome, usually on a Monday, but we were off yesterday because of the LSU game against Oregon State, which the Tigers won 13-7 to advance to the Super Regional. Again, game one, Saturday versus Kentucky at 2 p.m. Glenn West from Go247 Sports is kind enough to join us. Hey, big guy, how are you? Doing great, Jordy. How are you? I am uh, I'm terrific, buddy. What was your... What were your takeaways from LSU going 3-0, and surviving some weather delays, this, that, and the other? Uh, the Paul Skeens start on day one against Tulane went the, went the distance. Uh, your thoughts in general? Yeah, so I thought it was a pretty uh, complimentary weekend of baseball overall. I thought all three phases, LSU, whether it was hitting, pitching, and fielding, uh, I thought did did a really nice job overall. I mean, there were some certainly obstacles that you had to overcome uh, throughout the weekend, whether it was the weather delays and then uh, certainly walking off the field there in game three and you learn that your pitching coach is off to Georgia uh, after the season. I'm sure that uh, is a little mental hurdle that these guys are going to have to climb uh, in the week preparing for the Super Regional. But, um, look, I thought overall it was a great weekend for, for, for the Tigers. I thought they did a really nice job of, uh, you know, con- controlling the, the the environment of of, of the Alex Box experience, and uh, certainly not letting that weather delay get to them. I thought the offense really uh, stepped it up a notch after that weather delay. I mean, really after that three hour weather delay, they went on to score, you know, nineteen runs over the next you know, uh, thirteen or fourteen Games. innings. I mean, they were really. Yeah. Uh, just just exploding with the bats over the final you know two days, and um, I think it's just a really good sign for 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 what what this super regional is going to bring as well. Uh, game two was the key game. Um, you get Ty Floyd going, then all of a sudden here's the here's the weather delay, um, and you bring Thatcher Hurd in. He kind of held the ship, and LSU got their got their bats going. I thought that was the 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 pivotal um, moment of the tournament. Um, and then LSU got some good pitching, and, and all of a sudden, like you said, the, the long ball came into effect. But that that uh, that second game, that uh, six to five win, when you score one in the bottom of the eighth, I, that was the that was the key to me. Oh yeah, no no doubt, and and because you were looking at if you lose that game, you're looking at a situation where you have to play uh, really three games over a 24 hour stretch. Right. I mean, it it was going right. to be. Uh, a really difficult climb if you had lost that game. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. I thought Thatcher Hurd's performance out of the bullpen was really stellar. 
Uh, 15 of the outs that he had uh, while he was on the mound were via or, or 12 of the 15 outs that he had while on the mound were via strikeout. Uh, yep. He was just really spectacular uh, out of the bullpen, and 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 you know he gave up a couple runs and, and a couple hits, but uh, you know, he he bent but didn't break is kind of the best way I think I could put that. And uh, the, like you said, the offense had five home runs on Sunday, four more uh, on Monday to close it out, and. Uh, you know, I thought they just did a really nice job. I mean, the, the, the Monday game, certainly with the three left-handed pitchers and Nate Ackenhausen, Riley Cooper, uh, and Griffin Herring, all those guys, I thought did a really nice job. And uh, really the big takeaway, though, for me, I think overall, was the offense and the lineup that they used this yeah. weekend uh, didn't change at all in the three games, um, which I think is just a, a, a indicative of just kind of how consistent those guys were throughout the entire weekend. I'm with you. Glenn West, kind enough to join us. You saw the all-tournament team. Skeens was, I mean, Cruz was the MVP. Uh, but, man, I tell you what, Hayden Travinsky, that dude yeah. is on fire. Yeah. I, I would imagine he's probably LSU's third best hitter right now. I mean, yeah, you, you can't can't put him ahead of Cruz. I don't think you can put him ahead of White just because of how consistent White's been all season. Um, but Travinsky has been lights out for the last month. I mean, he has been – really the biggest breakout star uh, this late in the season that I can remember in a, in a long time. I mean, I, yes. I, I, I've been following this team for six or seven years. I can't really remember uh, a player who's had this great of a stretch who wasn't a part of the regular rotation for most of the year. Um, you know, he, he's certainly been great. Josh Pearson in the nine hole has done a terrific job of turning the lineup over, uh, getting mm-hmm. got, getting on base with triples and home runs and, um, I, I've been on Josh Pearson for a while. I think he's a guy that has far outplayed what his numbers would suggest. Uh, when you have a guy like that in the, in the, you know, in the nine hole there, that's been so consistent getting on base and putting together really good at bats. It makes you a lot more comfortable with that and Dylan Cruz in that leadoff spot. And that's, um, you know, that's something that I know Jay Johnson has really kind of grappled with on whether or not to use him as the leadoff guy, but, uh, getting as many at bats for him is going to be, uh, uh, something that LSU wants to do here for the rest of the tournament. No question. Uh, Glenn West, go to four seven sports. You get 19 hits. You get 13 runs. That sure takes the pressure off of Cooper, Ackenhausen, Herring, back-to-back-to-back lefties. Uh, and then <laughs> Gavin Guidry comes out and gets the last two outs of the ball game. So uh, game set. Mac. Now we know it's Kentucky on Saturday at 2 p.m. We just talked with Ben McDonald. He says they're small ball. They'll bent. They'll they'll bunt it. They'll hit and run it. Uh, put a mm-hmm. lot of pressure on your catcher. So we'll see. Travinsky may not be the best catcher with the best arm, but you got to have his bat in the lineup. It'll be interesting to see what Jay Johnson does with his lineup now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for, for, for LSU to figure out is whether or not they want – uh, Beloso in the lineup, and if they want Beloso in the lineup, that probably means that you're sticking with Chervinsky at catcher. So, right. um, you know, if, if, if that wasn't the case, you would have Malazzo at catcher and Chervinsky as the DH. But I think the way yep. that Beloso and Chervinsky, uh, really everybody that has been in this offense the last week or two, um, th- those guys are going to be uh, the lineup. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yep mess with a whole ton of things uh, for, for the Paul Skeen game. I know a lot of people are curious if maybe they like to have Malazzo at catcher for, for when Paul Skeen's is pitching. I, I think, you know, Trevinsky did a nice job in, in the two-lane game. Um, 
he, he's a guy that's going to you know have a couple pass balls on him, and we'll see if that uh, changes things up for for how else she wants to approach it. But the way that he's swinging the bat, the way a lot of this yes, offense swings the bat right now, I just don't think you mess with very much. I'm with you one thousand percent on that one. If it ain't broke, man, let's not try to fix it. Let's let's keep <laughs> the hot bats in there um, and, and go from there. So. Um, LSU, Kentucky, Saturday, 2 p.m. It'll be Skeens on Saturday. It'll be Ty Floyd on Sunday. And then we'll see what happens if it has to go to Monday, depending upon how those two do. What do you do with Thatcher Hurd? Um, the chess match continues. So, so we shall see. Uh, meanwhile, man, he came to LSU as a four-star recruit in football in 2020. Uh, he transferred to Oklahoma after one year, but then after two months with the Sooners, he returned to Baton Rouge for the 2021 season, uh, stayed with the team through spring ball, but when preseason practice opened last year, he wasn't listed on the roster or seen during practice. And now Trey Bradford is back yet again in that running back room. Uh, so now all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, man, who's going to be the running back? Now they got a, a plethora of them even with the uncertainty of John Emery and Armani Goodwin. So what about Trey Bradford? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, I think if you're LSU, you're hoping third time's the charm, right? And, and yeah, you know, yeah. I think probably uh, what this tells me more than anything is that they're not set on a particular backfield yet in terms of who they want uh, in their rotation. I think there's just a lot of, uh, whether it's off the field or, or academics or injury histories, uh, in that backfield right now, there's just not a whole lot uh, of confidence, I don't think, in that room in terms of who you're going to be able to rely on uh, at the end of a season. And so I think they, they're stockpiled up. You know, They've got eight guys now on scholarship with Bradford joining. Uh, you brought in Logan Diggs a couple weeks ago out of the transfer portal. Uh, I think he, uh, Noah Kane, and Josh Williams are probably my three-man rotation. If I had to choose right now, I think those three – uh, are, are the ones that are going to have the bulk of the, the workload come fall. Um, but you certainly can't count out a guy like Bradford who's been in the system. He kind of knows the offense a little bit. and you certainly got a couple true freshmen that you can uh, start to incorporate into the offense. But um, I, I just think with the way that the, the, the backfield has played out for the last several months, it's just told me that LSU really thinks that there's going to be a lot of reps open in the fall and that's going to be a really, really competitive group. Glenn, what was your, your thought process? The SEC got some uh, criticism after sticking with an eight-game conference schedule for 2024, even after the conference grows to 16 teams. You know, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12 play nine conference games. I wonder what the college football playoff committee uh, is going to think because they're going to determine six at-large bids I wonder what the thought process is there. Sure. I, I, and I think the biggest thing here to take away was that it's temporary. I think that is the, the, the key message in all this. I don't expect the eight-game schedule to be a long-term thing. Um, I don't know that that's where it's tracking. I think eventually the conference would like to get to nine games. Um, but for now, look, I mean, I think it's a good kind of stopgap. They're, they're going to be eliminating the divisions, so – um, that opens up the opportunity to play these teams a little bit sooner than maybe you would uh, if there was a traditional East-West bracket kind of deal. Um, 
So, you know, I'm going to be very interested to see what the schedule looks like. They're going to uh, release it here, I think, next week sometime on like the 12th or 13th or something. Um, LSU's permanent uh, opponent in that eight-game model is going to be Texas A&M. But outside of that, it's it's free picking in terms of who's going to be on the schedule. And, you know, there's certainly some teams out there that LSU hadn't played on the road in a while, South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, come to mind they haven't played either of those two teams on the road since the early 2010s 2012 2013 range uh so that that could certainly be an option if if you know if you're looking to kind of spice it up a little bit in terms of who's LSU's playing uh in 24 but uh it's a good short-term solution but I do think the ultimate uh long-term goal is to get to nine games for the conference that will all depend upon the, the playoff committee. If they shut out a third or a fourth place SEC team on the grounds of its strength of schedule and they select a comparable Big Ten team, they're going to nine games. I don't care what Nick Saban <laughs> and what these coaches think. They're going to nine games, period. Yeah, and I think some of it also has to do with the TV contracts. You know, when, when uh, the SEC announced that it was transferring over to ESPN from the CBS game, um, it, it, it made it sound like there was only an eight-game schedule. The, the contract is for eight games. And so I think there's some you know back and forth right now between the SEC and ESPN on what the compensation would look like for a nine-game schedule if that happens. So uh, I think that there's just still talks that are going on, and it's just maybe a little bit too premature to pull the trigger on a nine-game schedule uh, right when Texas and Oklahoma enter the, the SEC picture next season. Inevitable. Um, you finally get one of Kim Mulkey's players hit the transfer portal, and that's uh, freshman forward Elisa Williams. Um, you know, when you get um, Anissa Morrow and uh, Angel Reese and these freshmen coming in, I mean, you can't blame Williams. I want to play. I don't, I'm not going to get any playing time here, so good luck to her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Haley Van Lift just won a gold medal for some three-on-three tournament that she was playing in for Team USA. I mean, like, there, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of star players on this uh, on this roster. And, uh, yeah, not surprising that LSU loses one. Uh, but I think the one that they lose will be far outgained by the two that they brought in via the portal yeah. this year. Those, 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 those two ladies are going to be really, really special, I think, give – uh, that team and that program a really good shot at winning another championship with obviously what you got coming back with Angel Reese and Cloje Johnson and some of the star freshmen you're bringing in like Michaela Williams. So uh, I think that team's going to be just fine. Glenn West, he's back at the box. More hot dogs, more Cracker Jacks, more baseball starting Saturday. You're the best. Thank you so much, right. my friend. I- we hopefully it'll go two games and we can have a show on Monday and recap it. If not, eh, we'll see what happens. We got to have our fingers crossed on the weather. It's not going to be great for the next week in Baton Rouge. So I would imagine oh, yeah. if uh, there's any kind of game three to, to play at, it's going to be because of the weather, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Oh, that, that tells me that you think LSU is going to win this thing in two games. I think they will win it in two games. I was very, very, uh, encouraged by the pitching performances and i think that if you can get the pitching right the offense is going to take care of itself and i I think lsu's got a great shot going to omaha well said glenn thank you buddy take care we'll take a quick time out here we'll come back and wrap up our number one next
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our partners, like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all by Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out by Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. It helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger ever, and by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Former LSU All-American linebacker Brady James, one of 78 players who've been selected to appear on the 2024 ballot for induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. Brady hopes to join the likes of Gaynell Tinsley, Ken Cavanaugh Sr., Abe Michael, Doc Fenton, Tommy Casanova, Billy Cannon, Jerry Stovall, Charles Alexander, Burt Jones, Glenn Dorsey, and Kevin Falk as LSU College Football Hall of Fame members Coaching-wise, Dana Bible, Mike Donahue, Biff Jones, Bernie Moore, and Charlie McClendon in the College Football Hall of Fame. Coming up, our number two, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, plus all the headlines in the world of sports. It's all coming your way. Our number two of the Jordy Helford Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home, but we're still playing baseball, LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Our number two of two, and away we go. It's Tuesday, June 6th. Hope you're having a spectacular day. One hour down, one to go. We certainly appreciate you joining us in whatever form or fashion that you are, whether it be radio, internet, TV, because we're everywhere, as is my man James Mesh. In the producer's chair inside the EBCO Development Studios, EBCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which where is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on one KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, with all kind of deals when you join up. And uh, if you're in the Acadiana area, Turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. As mentioned, LSU baseball um, gets it done 
beating Oregon State yesterday 13 to 7 to win the Baton Rouge Regional to go unscathed at 3 and 0 and now one of six SEC teams still in the hunt LSU will play host to Kentucky in the NCAA Super Regional beginning Saturday at 2 p.m. Game Sunday will be at a time to be determined and if necessary a game 3 would be played on Monday at a time to be determined as well. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date on all of that. Paul Skeens was outstanding. Dylan Cruz was the tournament MVP. LSU did it with solid pitching. They did it with 19 hits. They did it with a plethora of home runs. It looked like LSU kind of turned the corner. Um against Oregon State, and their confidence should be sky high. 19 hits, four home runs, at least one ribby from every starter. You add it all up, it's a 13-7 to win, and LSU advances and moves on. Meanwhile, they will be losing their pitching coach as soon as the season comes to an end, hopefully uh, raising up a trophy in Omaha. Uh, but Wes Johnson... In one year at LSU, is now leaving to become the head coach at Georgia. But he's going to stick around with this team throughout the duration. So that would be good. Trey Bradford back again on the LSU football team. He had uh, come to LSU in 2020, left and transferred to Oklahoma. Two months later, he's back at LSU. He had some problems. He was off the team now. Maybe the third time is a charm for him. Kim Mulkey is going to be losing one of her players as freshman forward Elisa Williams has entered her name into the transfer portal. The biggest story in the world of sports is what's happened in the world of golf because all of a sudden now the PGA Tour, the European Tour and Live Golf are all shaking hands, kumbaya, and they're becoming one entity to make as much money as they possibly can. All the details as to what this means for players, fans, and uh, tour events is still unknown at this point in time. Um, so we shall see what happens here. Uh, it seems to me, seems to me, and this, I have no sources or anything like this, but it just seems to me that with the pockets, the deep pockets that the live tour has, with all these lawsuits going on, the Live Tour could just outspend them, outspend the PGA and the European Tour. Because a year ago, Jay Monahan stood up in front of the world and argued that the way Saudi Arabia treats women, gay people, journalists, should matter in a player's decision whether to jump at the guaranteed payday that came with a Live Invitational. Invitation. That was just a year ago. Today, well, not so much. As he said, we are pleased to move forward in step with Live and PIF's world-class investing experience. Um, 
and a commitment to taking our game to new heights. Okay. Um, this, the PGA in their release that was announced today positioned it as a merger. On paper, it looks like a hostile takeover. And again, the full details and exactly what it means for golf fans, they're lacking at this point. Um, it's clear from the immediate reaction of PGA Tour players on social media that this decision came out of the blue and was made well above their pay grade. They had no say with the, the top players in golf. They just did what they had to do. Um, so are the three entities still going to operate separately while being in business together? Will players go back and forth at will to play whatever tour they want in a given week? Or does the merger set up the top-level pro golf as a globe-trotting international tour that will regularly bring all the best players to Australia, Asia, the Middle East, and Europe? So I guess what does that mean for the mid-tier tournament like the Zurich Classic in the hometown of New Orleans? Uh, what does it mean for that? What does it mean for television rights? Um, we'll, we'll see. These are things that all have to be ironed out um, in the future. So stay tuned for that. The NBA Finals resumes tomorrow with the best of seven series between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets tied at a game apiece. Uh, Denver won game one, 104 to 93 behind, yes, just another scintillating performance by Nikola Jokic, uh, 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists. Yet another triple-double. Uh, Miami won game two, 111 to 108. They decided we're going to take away the cuts and the slashes and the dives to the bucket, and we're going to let Jokic score. We just don't want him to be that big of a factor in giving the ball up and making his teammates better. Jokic had 41 points, 11 rebounds, criticized because he only got four assists, but you have to credit Miami for how they defended and what they did. They wanted to make Jokic a scorer, a shooter, rather than a passer. You see, when Jokic gets 27, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists, the Nuggets are virtually unbeatable. They're virtually unbeatable. So we'll see what decisions are made and what adjustments are made for Game 3 tomorrow in Miami. To me, all the pressure in the world is on the heat. they got to win these games at home. they got to. So we'll see. We'll see what happens along those lines. Um, what else? What else? What else? That's about it. Uh, good season by the Raging Cajuns. Came up just a little bit short against Texas and Miami. Uh, but still a season not to hang your head about at all. Um, the Pelicans, uh, by the way, hired um, James Borrego as the associate head coach. In other words, Willie Green's right-hand man. He was a coach for the then New Orleans Hornets as an assistant for a couple of years. Got the head coaching job with the Charlotte Hornets for a couple of years. Um, and now he is back. Turned down a couple of other possible offers to become Willie Green's right-hand man. He's an offensive-minded coach, and the Pels will try to generate some interest and some, some, some newness to an offense that certainly will be predicated upon 
the health of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. It's the same old, same old, same old story. Um, the Manning Passing Academy is coming up as it always does, which means elite college quarterbacks are set to come to Thibodeau. And that's always fun. 45 college quarterbacks expected to work as camp counselors. Uh, LSU's Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer will be in attendance. Tulane's Michael Pratt will be in attendance June 22nd through the 25th at Nichols State University in Thibodeau. Also, yeah, about Ben Woolridge from the Rage and Cajuns. He's going to be there as well. A litany of who's who in college quarterbacks missing one. Uh, and that one is the reigning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from Southern Cal, Caleb Williams, who has some off-field commitments that conflicted with the camp schedule. So um, if you're interested in watching quarterbacks play and do some fun things, you are welcome to attend the Friday Night Light Skill Competition between the college quarterbacks at 8.30 p.m. Friday at John L. Guidry Stadium. They'll compete in a series of drills to gauge their accuracy, arm strength, route-throwing versatility, it's open to the public. Admission is $15. Again, the dates of the Manning Passing Academy, uh, June 22nd through the 25th at Nichols State. It's kind of interesting. Arch Manning, uh, the former Newman High School standout, who's in his freshman year at Texas, who will work um, as a counselor. And uh, Peyton Manning's son will be a draft, uh, will be a camp participant this time so you got archie you got peyton you got eli you got cooper you got arch and now you've got the 12 year old marshall manning participating in the camp kind of fun stuff um okay speaking of quarterback speaking of football we'll take our first time out here in our number two it's time for the black and gold report a tuesday staple here with Bob Rose from the Saints News Network after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover. Built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from ABI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite in the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's always a great day when we can talk Saints football, NFL football with our good friend Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Good afternoon, Robert. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm fantastic. I hope you're doing the same. Well, we got you on Zoom now. All's right with the world. And that Jim Everett jersey still hanging precariously behind you. Uh, good to see you, man. I hope your summer's doing good. I tell you what, um, for the first time since week 
three of last season, Michael Thomas was back on the field at the Saints OTAs today. How about that? I tell you what, that's it, it, there is no better way to kick off summer. Uh, you know, ki- kids are getting out of school. You get to go to the pool or the ocean or the beach. And my, Mike Thomas is back in uniform. Uh, li- life is good. And like you said, that's the, that's the first time he has been on the practice field uh, during the Saints OTA. He's been there. Uh, you know, he's been off to the side, uh, uh, so he's been present. Uh, but this is the first time he's suited up, uh, which is a little bit ahead of schedule because if you recall, Dennis Allen, uh, just about a week or so ago, uh, said that he uh, speculated that Michael would be ready for training camp, uh, but he wasn't sure. You know, there, there wasn't any timetable for him to get onto the field during OTAs or even mini camp. So it sounds like he's progressing a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, and I'll tell you what, since the Saints are going to have a new quarterback in the, in the way of Derek Carr, uh, you know, it's really, really good to have him on the field to build up that rapport uh, with, that new, uh, with that new quarterback this year. Yeah, he, he actually ran routes on air. He caught some passes from Carr and Jameis Winston. He didn't participate in competitive team drills, but he's come out and said, I'll be ready to go day one of training camp later in july so man that great great yeah absolutely absolutely and i expect and i've said this before i expect michael thomas to play with a chip a big time chip on his shoulder this year uh you know the the media and fans alike have all but written him off uh you know plus he's he's playing for a new contract because of that rework deal uh, to, to for the Saints to avoid cutting him to save salary cap space, Michael Thomas uh, you know, has incentives built in uh, you know, to reach a certain level of uh, you know, financial gain in 2023, which obviously has a lot to do with production. Uh, but he's playing for a brand new contract, be it with New Orleans or someone else. He's only 30 years old. So as long as he's put these uh, foot injuries behind him, he's still got a long professional football life ahead of him. Uh, yeah, and I crack up whenever I read these rankings lists, uh, you know, by pro football focus and everybody else. Um uh, they have forgotten about Michael Thomas yeah, when they're ranking yeah. the top receivers. I get if you're just going to base it off 2022 production, that's one thing. Uh, you know, but yeah, Michael Thomas on you know PFF's recent rankings, for example, uh, you know he came in at number 27, one spot behind former teammate Brandon Cooks, who Thomas, uh, no pun intended, Thomas absolutely dwarfs, uh, you know, in skill level and career right. production. So yeah. It, Make no well, mistake, you, Michael Thomas pays close attention to these things. He's going to come out with uh, with a big-time chip on his shoulder. You know, it's a world of what have you done for me lately. And so sure. I, I would hope that his goal this year would be uh, named the comeback player of the year. That would be terrific. Yeah, and I could absolutely see it happening. Um we know that we know that he could still play, even though he only played three games last year. In those three games, he averaged nearly 100 yards and over five yard uh, five catches per game. So, you know, he looked like the Michael Thomas of old, uh, you know, before you know, injuring his other foot. Remember, folks, that's his non surgery. He had surgery on the other foot, on the opposite foot uh, that kept him out of most of 2020 and all of 2021. It was his other foot last year that he got hurt. Uh, you know, so at least. 
at least it looks like that it isn't a recurring or a degenerative issue and we haven't heard anything like it was uh but you're right you know this is a world of what have you done for me lately uh you know and pretty much every aspect of life and that's why i think mike thomas is going to prove that he is still the best receiver in the nfl and he, he's he's set out to prove that bob rose with us on the black and gold report um my buddy, I called my buddy Jeff Duncan up and I asked him, you know, he was over there and I said, why? Tell me about Derek Carr. What he said, man, for a guy that's in his first few weeks of this installation of offense, he said, he looks like he knows what the heck he's doing. He looks like he's in total command. And he said today, the offense controlled everything in the red zone. They, he, he was throwing touchdowns left and right. So, um, look, looking in command, feeling more comfortable, boy, that, that makes me feel more comfortable you know what i mean oh 100 jordy and i'm not surprised to hear that from jeff at all and you know we've heard the same thing from our guys uh at, you know at saints practices you know john Hendricks and ross jackson uh and and i would expect nothing less from Derek carr he in nine years with the raiders he played for six different head coaches and six different offensive coordinators and he remained productive through every one of them so that tells me that this is a smart guy this is a guy that does his film study and this is a guy with not only the physical skills on the football field but the football intelligence to take in any kind of system that you give him and do so relatively quickly and he's going to be expected uh you know to be productive right out of the gate for this team because everybody expects certainly everybody in saints camps uh but everybody uh, expects the saints to have a much improved offense over the versions that we've seen the last two or three years must be nice to be kaylin saunders he uh becomes a saint he gets excused from practice so he can go visit the white house uh with his former team the super bowl champion kansas city chiefs how 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 much are the saints counting on him i mean is he is he supposed to step in and be a uh, uh, day one starter. What do they? What do you anticipate from Kalen Saunders? He's got championship pedigree, obviously. Yeah, he does have championship pedigree. Uh, yeah, and the the Saints liked him enough to let David on you know, him and Nathan Shepard uh, to let David on Yamada, Shai Tato, and Catavius Street walk out the door. Uh, you know, I don't know who is going to be this. Yeah, you know, the two starters. Uh, you know, uh, coming out in week one or day one, uh, but certainly believe this: Saunders, Shepard, and of course, first round draft choice Brian Barisi. Uh, they're they're all going to have a say so, and they're all going to be counted on for major contributions because this run defense fell off a cliff last year. Uh, the defense, the pass defense, got zero production. Uh, pass rush production uh, on the interior from any of their defensive tackles. Saunders has the capability to check off both those boxes. He's a big, strong, but at very athletic guy. Uh, the kind of guy that they, the kind of attributes that they liked in Onyemata. Uh, you know, and that's the kind of role that I expect Saunders to fill. Uh, the kind of guy that's going to move around a little bit on the defensive line, maybe even see him out on the edge at times. Uh, but he's going to be, even if he's not the quote-unquote starter on the depth chart uh you know he he's going to be able to get in a lot of a, a lot of reps and a lot of snaps in every situation for this defense when i hear a guy that's five seven and 156 pounds and he's turning heads at a professional football camp i'm like who is that uh well apparently undrafted free agent kicker blake groupie g-r-u-p-e i don't know how you pronounce it group or groupie from notre dame Kicked a 59-yard field goal at the end of practice. Dennis Allen says, I feel like we've got two really good kickers. There's going to be great competition throughout training camp. 
I can't wait to see it play out. What? Groupie? Sure. And Notre Dame has turned out some, you know, some quality NFL kickers over the years. And I, I, you know, count me as one of the ones that believe that Will Lutz is still a quality NFL kicker, but also that Will Lutz needs competition, uh, you know, for, you know, for this job. I don't think Lutz's job is in jeopardy per se, uh, but, you know, we saw this kind of play out with Blake Gillikin and Thomas Morstead a couple years ago. Gillikin turned coaches' heads in camp, really got people's attention, uh, so much so that Sean Payton, obviously then the coach at the time, uh, you know, did one of his infamous stashing uh, you know, someone on injured reserve for the year. You might see that kind of thing if, uh, you know, if Groupie impresses in, you know, not only in camp, but in the preseason games when he gets his opportunities. Uh, you know, good quality NFL kickers are hard to find, especially with that kind of range up to almost 60 yards, like you mentioned. Um, you know, so if he's not able to knock Will Lutz off of his, out of, out of a job in training camp, you can expect the Saints to somehow stash him either with a, uh, an, a season end injured reserve uh, insert air quotes here uh, or try to stash him on the practice squad in some way shape or form back to michael thomas um why do people have such why do people think well, i don't know if michael thomas really wants to be a saint well i don't know if michael thomas really wants to play foot why is he so misunderstood in your opinion uh jordy that's a great question uh, first of all, it's the fan base, and it's not just New Orleans. You see it throughout every NFL city. They are so quick to turn on uh, you know, several players uh, you know, at, at, the, at the sign of adversity. But in, in, in Mike's case, he's always been a fairly quiet guy, uh, you know, speaks, you know, speaks his mind but doesn't, doesn't go out of his way. Uh, you know, to be overly engaging for the media uh, or uh, or interviews or things like that just keeps things very basic. And he's the same way on Twitter. Uh, you know, so when you're not an engaging type of a Drew Brees kind of guy, uh, a Sean Payton kind of guy, a likable very open, affable media personality. I think uh -huh. that that opens the door a little bit more for a fan base to turn on you at the sign of adversity. Uh, and that, that's what I see here. It's unfair, but I think that that's fact. Okay. Let's take a quick time out here. We'll, uh, we'll go around the NFL, including the bills breaking ground on a new $1.54 billion stadium, 1.54 billion in Buffalo. And, uh, Another player under the gun as far as betting is concerned, and the NFL is investigating as we continue the Black and Gold Report with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, we here at the game won't you help why don't you go and subscribe to our youtube channel at the game louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps go to at the game louisiana on youtube once again that is at the game louisiana on youtube the Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. 
Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We continue with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network as we um, continue delving into the Saints and the the NFL. I see. I thought about this a little bit. Um, John Gruden has a lawsuit against the NFL, and he said, "Look, you've damaged my reputation with these leaked emails. Nobody's going to hire me to work in the NFL again." And lo and behold, he goes and consults with the New Orleans Saints. I wonder. I wonder what that Nevada Supreme Court's going to have to say when the NFL attorneys go, look, we didn't stop you from working with somebody. We have proof. You worked for the New Orleans Saints. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, not a good look. Uh, and you, know, we, you and I just uh, talked about it from the other uh, you know, from uh, from the other end of the spectrum, from the Saints' viewpoint, uh, about a PR uh, a PR viewing, uh, but you know, it certainly doesn't look good for John Gruden's lawsuit. Uh, you know, when the you know when a team like the New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, willingly brought him in, uh, you know, for a, a consultation. Now, uh, you know, if you're going to put a feather in Gruden's cap, I suppose you could say, you know, uh, you know, John could always uh, bounce back and say, you know, well, look, yeah, they they consulted me for my past experiences because I knew Derek Carr, et cetera, et cetera, but they were never interested in hiring me. Uh, so I don't know. It, it might not be a good look, but I don't know how damaging it's going to be to his lawsuit. Did he accept money for this? Or was this just a friend to friend? If he accepted money, well, then all bets are off. So, so we'll see. Um, I've talked about this before with you. You mentioned pro football focus and, and, uh, you know, how they ranked Michael Thomas down the totem pole when it came to wide receivers. They got Taysom Hill as the number nine tight end in the NFL heading into 2023. I said it again last year. Why don't they play him there? I don't get it. I think he'd be terrific. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. Uh, but I think you're it, – it, your complaints are going to ring hollow, I think, again this year, my friend, yeah. uh, because they, uh, obviously they like Jawan Johnson, who did some very nice things as a receiving tight end last year. But they brought in Foster Moreau, too. Uh, you yeah. know, any usage we're going to see out of Taysom Hill, I think, is going to be purely out of the backfield as that wildcat running quarterback. Uh, but I, I, see what you, I see your point, and I agree with it. Uh, you know, we saw Taysom Hill excel as a wide receiver, uh, as a receiver. Uh, you know, and what was that? 2019. He made some plays, uh, yes. you know, from the slot for, you know, for quarterback Drew Brees uh, yeah, and that offense. Uh, you know, and if there's one thing that we know about Taysom Hill, it's this, that when Taysom is given a, a, a job responsibility, he dives into this thing head first. I mean, you know, he studies film, he works out, you know, he gains weight if necessary. Uh, you know that he if he was asked to be a, you know, more of a receiving role in this offense, that he would be working on that jugs machine, uh, you know, and with uh, not only Carr, but Jameis Winston too. Uh, you know, we know that Taysom Hill takes, you know, takes his work very, very, very seriously. Um, and, 
we're he's he's the ultimate mismatch, you know, for defenses to deal with. Uh, but I think to your point that if the Saints and Pete Carmichael were to use him more as a receiver, at least show that look that it just gives defensive coordinators one more thing, uh, you know, and the mountain that is Taysom Hill to prepare for. We talked all about not utilizing Alvin Kamara to his fullest. I don't think they used Taysom Hill to his fullest yep. either. I just thought last year was just a complete failure of the Saints offensively. I know you've got different quarterbacks coming in, doing this, that, and the other, but, man, you got to find a way to get your best players the ball. I, this, this is pro football. Everybody's getting paid. you got to give it to your best players. I think Taysom Hill's one of their best players. Yeah, Jordy, and it's coaching one-on-one. It's the simplest of simple. Um, you, you let your best players do what they do best, and that is something that Pete Carmichael and, frankly, Sean Payton in his last year with the Saints have failed to do. Uh, you know, with Taysom Hill, with Alvin Kamara, uh, you, I'll even say Rashid Shaheed, uh, you know, in 2022, uh, you know, the that they didn't get Shahid on the field fast enough, that they didn't use him to his full explosive capability last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot more weapons in place now, as you pointed out. Uh, but Pete Carmichael is very, very much on the hot seat if this offense doesn't perform even close to expectations in 2023. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of hot seats, the NFL is investigating Indianapolis Colts cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers for possible violations of the league's gambling policy. I'm reading tweets from reputable reporters that are saying he's not the only one. This thing is getting, it's going to be a lot of players involved. They're betting on their, in their facility uh, on games. Well, just go outside the facility, go home and do what you got to do. But I mean, everybody knows the rules. Why do they keep doing this? I really don't know. Uh, you know, and again, uh, you know, the, the, these young players, the rookies, as soon as they hit the league, uh, you know, they go to these league seminars, uh, you know, sponsored by the NFL Players Association uh, to learn how to conduct themselves to you know, and it, it's not hard not to break the law. Uh, you know, it really isn't. Now, I mean, you know, Grant, I grant you there's not a single one of us on this earth is perfect, uh, but you're talking about your livelihood here. Uh, it shouldn't be in my in my viewpoint, it shouldn't be hard to keep your nose clean to earn that multi-million dollar paycheck that you could be earning, uh, you know, for being the an elite percentage among the elite percentage of human beings that even get the opportunity to play professional sports. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it, now, now you want to, you know, again, no pun intended, I'm on a roll. Uh, now you want to literally gamble that away. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it, it's the ultimate foolishness to me. Yeah, we'll see what happens along these lines. But my goodness gracious uh, sakes alive. Um, There's still some free agents out there remaining. I don't know um, if if the Saints are interested, but Yannick Nguke of uh, the Indianapolis Colts, a defensive end is out there. Dalton Risner, offensive lineman's out there. Jadavian Clowney's out there. Uh, Marcus Peters at cornerback is out there. Mm -hmm. Some of these are getting a little old in the tooth. Uh, do you think the Saints have any interest in anyone? Uh, they'll, they'll kick the tires on a couple of veterans for sure. Uh, probably the week or so prior to training camp and maybe a week or so into training camp. Uh, that's just been the Saints' MO, not only Sean, under Sean Payton, but we saw Dennis Allen do that same thing last year. 
<clears throat> uh, linebacker is one position to watch. Uh, they're awfully thin there. Uh, you know, and, and really no proven talent behind Demario Davis and Pete Werner. Uh, I like DeMarco Jackson. They like Zach Baum. Uh, I think they're going to let those two younger players take the reps, uh, obviously through OTAs and, you know, mini camp next week. Uh, if they don't like, if the Saints coaches don't like what they see from those players or maybe other positions, that's when the, you'll see them bring in veterans. And, you know, you just ran down a who's, who's a who's who list of pro bowlers. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talent still available at linebacker too. Uh, defensive end, Frank Clark, uh, you know, who with the chiefs played with Saunders passing, you know, and, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, so there's a familiar face there. If they want to kick the tires on Frank Clark uh, to be a rotational pass rusher, uh, that'd be a good fit. Quan Alexander, Anthony Barr, Rashawn Evans at linebacker, all quality veterans, uh, you know, to be able to, to back up. Uh, and, and give depth behind uh, Davis and Warner if, God forbid, knock on wood, something were to happen to them. Uh, I don't think they make a move in the secondary. They like what they have. That's, that's an awful deep position, both at cornerback and safety, uh, but maybe offensive line. I didn't realize uh, that Risner was still out there, but Risner's uh, a quality uh, offensive lineman that could play multiple positions, uh, just like the Saints demand out of their linemen. Uh, you know, so maybe uh, you know, if Trevor Penning, Andrus Pete, C. Saw Ruiz, if they're a little bit slow to recover from the injuries that they sustained at the end of the year, uh, maybe they bring in a guy like Risner for uh, for an early training camp look. Like I said, I, I expect them to bring in a couple more veterans. Uh, probably we'll probably see it just before the start of training camp. Yeah. Well, like a couple of outside linebackers who are pretty good pass rushers, Justin Houston, who played with the Baltimore Ravens, had nine and a half sacks last year. Yeah. Um, and then Melvin Ingram, another outside linebacker with Miami, he had six. Now they're both, you know, he had six sacks, 22 tackles in 17 games this passing. Both would be situational kind of uh, players because of their age. They're both 34. But if you're all in and you think you got a shot and you want to put more pressure on the court, maybe they go with one of those. I don't know what their dollar figures are. I have no idea. But there's a maybe out there. Sure, there is. Uh, you know, and the Saints have a, a, around $13 million of salary cap space right now. Uh, and, you know, like you said, you just named off a couple and Frank Clark would be another situational pass yeah. rusher. They don't yeah. need somebody to play a, a, a lot of defensive end or early down defensive end snaps, uh, you know, not with Cam. Granderson, uh, you know, and passing, you know, but they need somebody to put additional pressure on the passer, uh, you know, and in doing so, bringing in any of those edge guys. Uh, we just saw Leonard Floyd sign with the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, for one year, $7 million contract. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. you know, that, that would certainly fit into the Saints budget. Uh, you know, if, the, and, you know, I would expect that a guy like Floyd, given his age and recent, most recent production, uh, you know, he, he'd be worth a little bit more than a Justin Houston or maybe even a Frank Clark on the market right now. Uh, and, and again, closer to training camp, if any of those guys or all those guys are still on sign, that price tag is going to go down a little bit. Uh, you, and you have that sweet spot where it goes down. And then it'll escalate again if uh, you know, if some defensive ends or pass rushers suffer some injuries in training camp, and then the demand for those veterans all of a sudden skyrockets. So that's where I expect the Saints to maybe, uh, you know, if not a defensive end, then certainly other positions. Uh, you know, they'll hit in that sweet spot where that price uh, price is going to be lower. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the lowest possible price just before the start of training camp. 
Bob Rose Saints News Network a quote. Uh, While our city isn't one of the larger NFL markets, the days of us operating as a small market team are in the past. Uh, That comes from Ron Rechuia of the Buffalo Bills as they have broken ground for a $1.54 billion new Bills stadium. Um, The agreements include a 30-year lease and a non-relocation agreement that makes it difficult for the team to leave Buffalo, the second smallest NFL market, larger only than Green Bay. Green Bay's not going anywhere. Buffalo's not. Do you ever see a day where the Saints implode the Superdome and build a new stadium? Do you ever see that? I hope not. Uh, yeah, but I'm all about nostalgia. You know, you, you, you've yeah. known me for a while now, and you know this. Uh, they, the the New Orleans franchise and the city of New Orleans, uh, you know, has invested and will continue to invest whatever money is necessary to renovate the Superdome. I and I think they've done an outstanding job of that over the years, so much so that the Superdome has become an, you know, a, a landmark icon, not only yeah. in the Gulf Coast region, uh, you know, but really th- you know, the entire NFL, if you look you know, look at every team's uh, and every franchise's stadium. And you know, the, the Superdome, as, you know, as we currently sit here, uh, you know, the, the Superdome is right up there with the most recent innovations. So no, I, I mean I never say never, but yeah, I never yeah, want to see yeah. it torn down, and I I'm can't see you. it happening anytime soon. I'm with you 100. Um, Green Bay. They, did I read somewhere they're going to host the NFL draft? Uh, I know they put in for it, Jordy. I don't know if they got it or not, um, but I know that the league was certainly leaning that way, um, and. I tell you, Green Bay, Green Bay's, you know, they, their summer is about three weeks long, uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, even though the draft is held at the end of April, beginning of May, I'm still not certain I would want to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin to attend the NFL draft. But, hey, that's that's just me. I, I want, again, me, nostalgia. I want it back in New York uh, you know, and, and locked down there where it had been for decades. I don't know what city's closest, big city is closest to um, Green Bay, but I know they don't have enough hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to host the 2025 draft. Thank you, James Mesh. Sure. In 2020, you, so maybe they're going to build some hotels or so. I don't know where where are people going to stay. Well, I'll tell you, it would be something like that would be good for the economy. It would be a boon for the economy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you would also think that the region has to come up with a plan to sustain all the building of hotels uh, you know, and things like that, that it would take to host an event like the NFL draft. Michael Thomas, comeback player of the year. Taysom Hill is my tight end. I'm going to keep preaching it till Heath Carmichael listens to me. He's too go- too athletic. He's too much of a baller. Get him on the field. I don't care about the blocking. You, he can chip and go out Travis Kelsey doesn't block. Come no. on. All he does is catch passes and he catches them all the time. Yes, sir. He does. And he's not, you know, I love Travis Kelsey, but he's not nearly as athletic in the open field as Mr. Taysom Hill, who is a breakaway threat every time he touches the football. So yeah, it would be fun to watch. And I, if you're calling for it, I got your back. I, you know, I'll, I'll second your motion every day. I really thought last year, that was going to be it. He said, okay, I'm not going to be a quarterback. I want to get on the field. I got to earn my money. So they're going to find a spot for him. Tight end would be perfect. Nope. Nope. I don't get it. (laughs) Don't get it, Bob. 
Oh, Jordy Haltberg and Bob Rose, Saints co-offensive coordinators for 2024. Let's call it now. Let's start getting our resumes now and send them in. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't want to be a running back on my team. <laughs> you just really wouldn't. Uh, Derek Carr would have to ice his arm down after every game because we're throwing it and we're throwing it and throwing it. I, I want those fans in the stands to be happy with me. He ain't going to run the football. Um, um, What's next? So you got OTAs today for the next couple of days. And then when's the first mandatory mini camp is coming up, isn't it? Yes, sir. It's next weekend. Uh, I don't remember the dates off the top of my head, but it is next weekend. And like you said, that is mandatory, uh, you know, which means that it's finable, uh, you know, that the organization can find players who aren't there uh, uh, if they aren't uh, don't have excused absences. I wouldn't worry too much about that. You know, the, the Saints have had great veteran attendance at their uh, at their uh, OTAs. Uh, I would expect the same thing at minicamp. Uh, and then after minicamp, there's a little bit of a lull for the players, uh, you know, to kind of ice down and you know, fine tune their athleticism and you know, make sure they're in top shape for a training camp, uh, which this specific date, the, the exact dates haven't been announced, but it's typically the end of the third week of July. Okay. Um this Alvin Kamara situation, the NFL can't do anything until the due process of the law uh, resolves itself. What's the status on that? Where are we with that? Uh, and actually, the NFL can at any point in time choose oh. to take their disciplinary actions. Uh, you know, it's only been in recent years that the Goodell regime has typically held off uh, and waited until the legal proceedings have sort of played themselves out. Uh, you know, so that way the league doesn't want to have egg on their faces and over yeah. underpunish uh, a guy. And uh, that that's the reason. Ray Rice, a handful of years ago, that Ray Rice situation, right, right, right. Uh, you know, that that was a whole lot worse than what it ended, uh, you know, first looked to be, and the NFL only gave him a slap on the wrist suspension to start. So that's yeah. why they do that now. Uh, yeah. As far as Kamara, Kamara's next hearing, uh, you know, is on July 31st. Uh, which, okay. of course, we expect to be during the first week of training camp. Uh, right. There's going to be no more. It would be shocking if there were any more continuances or delays in this process. Uh, you know, it's going to be a jury trial unless Kamara and his legal representatives uh, you know, come to some sort of plea agreement before them. Uh, but uh, you know, Alvin has said over and over, uh, Alvin's representatives have said over and over again, that they intend on pleading not guilty, sticking by that plea and taking this to trial. So that's where we stand right now. Bob Rose, with all the latest info, thank you, my friend. We always look forward to it. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds great. Can't wait. Have a great week, my friend. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report, finishing touches next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, Ducks, Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the Louisiana Lottery, D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, and Cajun Chef. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, finishing touches on this Tuesday, June 6th. Um, 
Thanks to our guest, Ben McDonald. Great job on the LSU Regional. Looking ahead to Kentucky and the Super Regional again Saturday, 2 p.m. The Regional, all the action here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Glenn West from Go247 Sports and Bob Rose with the Black and Gold Report from the St. Sue's Network. If today is your birthday, June 6th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with... Boy, he was a great player. Used to love to watch him play tennis. An 11-time Grand Slam title winner. The sensational Swede Bjorn Borg is 67 years old today. James Mesh, thank you. In the producer's chair, thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you did. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I am Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And heck, why not be happy? Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Until tomorrow. So long, everybody.